imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women? Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Lead Her Ship Global. We're so glad to welcome you to this week's podcast, where we're going to be talking about how to grow and scale your business through strategic agility with Lisa Levy, an internationally recognized authority on project management, process performance management, and organizational change management. You know, companies right now need help innovating to find new efficiencies in their operations, both at speed and scale. They've got to transform even faster to keep up with the changing market conditions. In fact, in a marketplace where competitors are often quick to match the improvements of existing products or services and where the power of the marketplace has decisively shifted to customers, it can actually be difficult for businesses to stay competitive and profitable. So amidst intense competition, customers with choices and access to reliable information are frequently able to demand quality improvements at no cost or even lower cost. So agile innovation is the key. It's the key to optimization. Leaders with strategic agility can see and respond to changes faster than their rivals or new players to the marketplace. And this enables them to sustain growth and profitability performance for their businesses. It's important for agile leaders to watch for and identify emerging opportunities, as well as proactively develop and create opportunities. So today, you're going to learn how to create a supercharged client experience, how to create engaged and empowered employees, and tangible business value as you reap the financial rewards of lower labor costs and more efficient processes. Today, we have the privilege of talking to Lisa Levy, an internationally recognized authority on project management, process performance management, and organizational change management about how to draw on the full talents of those doing the work, involve customers at every stage of product development, and generate innovations that customers actually value. So today will be an exciting conversation, but before we dive in, let me tell you a little bit more about Lisa. Lisa Levy is the founder and CEO of L Cubed Consulting, a business that helps organizations elevate through strategic goal achievement. She and her team teach adaptive transformation frameworks to savvy business leaders who want to build agility into their operating model to continuously adapt and thrive. She is the number one best-selling author of Future Proofing Cubed. Lisa is a frequent guest on multiple media outlets and a speaker at business executive conferences all over the world. Please help me welcome Lisa Levy. Linda, thank you for the opportunity to meet with you and your community. Thank you. So let's dive in. 
First, tell us a little bit about your journey, Lisa, and what's led you to have such passion around helping businesses grow and thrive through strategic agility and adaptive transformation. The journey started right in information technology. I was a project manager and I was working with teams implementing technologies to, in theory, solve business problems. But they didn't. They just created more pain and heartache for users who were used to doing things a certain way and it all changed and they didn't like it. It made me reflect sort of on why do we rely so heavily on technology and yet it still doesn't actually solve our problems. So as my career progressed, I built teams of project managers and then I started to look at instead of just the technology solutions what about the work? How do we do the work? What's the process behind that? And that led us to some learning and we would improve process and then use technology. And people would go, well, okay, it's better, but we still don't like it. It's like, okay, there's this people part of the equation, the people who do work every day. What's their role in all of this? And we weren't actually talking with them. We were solving what we thought was their problem with a technology that had all the latest, greatest bells and whistles and you know the best it could possibly be. But we learned really early on that if you don't have the right people doing the right work, the technology doesn't make anybody happy. And it's really expensive. That's how the journey started. And 12 years ago, I formed L-Cubed Consulting to take that equation, people and then process enabled by technology to create a consulting practice around that so that we were holistically looking at business differently and that we were starting at the beginning with people who are doing work and then how to optimize it. And it's grown over time. I love that. So Lisa, you've studied this space for a really long time. And what is your best piece of advice for business leaders now to create a supercharged client experience with engaged and empowered employees to create real tangible business value. You know, people hear terms like, um, you know, technology enabled and AI and, you know, um, technology developed for process and they kind of glaze over. So what is your best piece of advice for business leaders that really want to create engaged and empowered employees and great supercharged client experiences? Start with your customers. What do they want? What do they need? What problems are they experiencing that you can help them solve? As business owners, entrepreneurs, and leaders, we often get stuck on our vision of what we can do for them. We forget to talk to them and understand what they actually want and ask them and test and learn and understand. And for those companies that you know, do that and they survey and they, you know, they may have um, focus groups and do those sorts of things, that, that's that first part of the journey of understanding your customer today. But there's another step and a leap that we need to make to understand what is our customer of the future going to need so that we're constantly ideating and building for not just sustaining what we're doing today, but being ready to be where we need to be for them a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. 
So the single piece of advice, right, to bring it back is know your customers, who they are today, and plan for who they're going to be in the future. Yeah, that's such great advice. Ask your customers what they want and need. Plan for today, but forecast into the future. Really smart. You know, you said something earlier, too, that really resonated with me when you said, you know, one of the reasons you began L-Cubed Consulting is that you felt as though the solutions that were being created were coming from the um coming from the wrong perspective. And the technology solutions that were being created were really expensive. So how can business leaders reap the financial rewards of lower labor costs, more efficient processes, and still meet the constant customer demands that are facing them every day without that really expensive technology labor layer that you referenced earlier? So everything needs to grow and scale in the right order, in the right time. And often businesses, as they reach a certain level of growth, we we solve problems with people. We get more people doing more work, and that is very expensive. So the next step of evolution right in that in maturity is to refine process so that the same work can be done with fewer resources doing it. That lowers cost. The next level of maturity is using technology to automate where it makes sense. And this is a process or an experience in a business that will happen over and over and over as you grow and and scale. The key is knowing who you have, that they are capable of doing their job, that the process is repeatable, that Linda does the job the same way that Lisa does the job, right? Our process is standardized. And so when Linda wins the lottery and runs away, the work still continues the right way, the correct way, right? And then through growth, right, technology is a part of all of our businesses, whether it's just our, you know, our personal device that we carry around and run everything off of this or those more complicated systems, there's a time and a place for all of it. And replacing it holistically until you really understand if you're leveraging what you have to its fullest capability is one of those shiny objects that can distract leaders and entrepreneurs because salespeople sell the sexy things that those systems can do. It takes time and money and energy to make them do that. So there's, you know, there are decision points that we need to look at along the way and newer, better isn't always necessary. So to, I guess to summarize back to the question, right, the optimizing in that is lower labor costs because you're paying for the right resources with the right skills. They may not be the cheapest resources, but they're the right ones to get the impact that you want. And then process efficiency supported by the right technology helps manage that, that you know, the monetary equations. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And it sounds very similar to some of the more fundamental principles of scaling a business to ensure that the technology is serving the process and ultimately serving the customer of the business, right? So um, really good advice. Lisa, I know in your book, 
Future Proofing Cubed, The Definitive Guide to Improving Productivity, Refining Processes, and Bolstering Profitability, which sounds like every entrepreneur's dream, um, you outline why processes work and why they don't. Can you give us maybe, say, the top three reasons that processes fail? So this is a fun question and a great topic for me because processes fail for all sorts of reasons. You know, the first one and the one I like to talk about is it's the way we've always done it, right? Any business and everybody who's listening at some point in time has said that, well, this is what we do because it's the way we've always done it. That institutional just sort of inertia of the guy who hired me trained me and the person who hired him trained him, but it's not like documented anywhere. It's just the way we do it. Well, processes fail because of that all the time, because we forget to ask, why are we doing it? What's the value of doing it? Um, in, in a client engagement a number of years ago, we were walking through the process and it, you know, there's this woman who is the glue of the organization. If she were to disappear tomorrow because she won the lottery, that organization would just ceased operations. She, she was the hub and all, everything. Went through her and if it didn't, it didn't work right. And I started asking lots of why questions. Why do you do this? Why do you do that? And she didn't have an answer. And she'd spend hours every month putting together Excel spreadsheets of information that she emailed off to so-and-so. So I went and asked so-and-so, you know, Jim, what do you do with the spreadsheet that you get every month? I don't know. I get it every month and I just sort of file it in a folder on my desktop. Right. But it's the way we've always done it. Hours of time and energy. And that's just one tiny example. But if you take, you know, the operations of a business from, you know, beginning R&D and understanding what's going into a product or a service to actually taking it to market, there are so many opportunities where we lose the value and we waste time and energy. And what does that equate to, to the business owner? Money. We're leaving money on the table or we're flushing it down the toilet because that's the way we've always done it. Um, so processes fail because it's the way we've always done it. Processes also fail because we try to do them too fast, right? We're going to make them efficient and we lose track of the value that goes into making sure that the work is done correctly. Do we lose quality along the way because we're trying to increase time to market, right? It's a delicate balance. Um, the third reason why processes fail is because they aren't documented. If it's not actually repeatable, is it really a process? And, you know, my answer for that is absolutely no. If you can't train it, um, it, it's not actually a process. And so we take for granted that things happen day in and day out, month to month, quarter to quarter, year over year. But if you were to take one piece of that equation away, you take a person out of the mix, if it all falls apart, it wasn't actually a process. Yeah, those are three such good examples of why processes fail. And I love your third point about if the process is not documented, it's not a process. That is so smart. Now, along those same lines, Lisa, what do you think are the top three actions that business leaders can take 
now to utilize agility as a strategic advantage and help people align people, processes, and technology to their advantage. All right. So the things that leaders need to do right now and can do when they're done listening to this, embrace the idea of the agile mindset. What does that mean? Let's start with having that channel where new ideas can come into the, into the organization. Does every employee have a way to say, I have this idea about how we could make something better or how we could do it differently? Are you getting that information and feedback from your customers? Is, are all of these ideas coming into a place where they can be vetted and considered and understood? Step two, take that list of ideas and pick a few of them to play with. Put your best and smartest people on one or two of those ideas, not for a long duration of time, but let them kick around an idea of how to solve for it. Um, If you are in an office environment and actually interacting and you have a whiteboard, that's all I'm talking about. Put a group of people together, online tools we can collaborate in lots of different ways. Back in the day, this stuff was done on the back of a cocktail napkin, right? Get the ideas, play with it, test it. And test it against some of your customers. Test it against a customer that you let down in the past. Test it against your most favorite customer or your raving fans. Get some different perspectives. And then those ones that really seem to make a difference, take them to market. So those three steps are kind of how you start an innovation process in a business. And that, from a leadership perspective, is the number one thing that we can do to start being able to scale and grow quickly with agility. And that's the foundation. It all starts there. Yeah, that's great insight, Lisa. And it's funny because as you're speaking, I think that your advice is applicable to a solopreneur, someone who is just starting their business as a single contributor, and someone who may run a Fortune 50 company. Um, And it's interesting how applicable those tenets are, those principles are, no matter the size of the business that you run. But now thinking about those leaders that have a large workforce, how can business leaders draw on the full talent of their employees and involve customers at every single stage of product development and generate innovations that, as you noted before, customers actually value. It's not something that the company wants to do, but it's something that the customers genuinely want and need. So this is a, this is a big question, Linda. So let me take it in a, at a couple of different levels. So the innovation engine, right, is that foundation, that starting point starting point so that you can start to think and lead with agility. The business as a whole, and especially those that are starting to be larger, need to have an operating model that supports it. With Future Proofing Cubed, the book, and our consulting practice, we've developed and taken and created adaptive transformation. It is an approach that takes four leading best practices that the really big companies use day in and day out to get things done. Project management, process performance management, internal controls, and organizational change management. We bundle those together and build capabilities across all functions, across all roles, 
to support that innovation capability. Project management allows people to understand how to do work, how to start something new, bring it together and implement it. It's, a, it's time boxed and controlled. Process performance management, we were talking a little bit right about it. If you don't understand what happens upstream or downstream, do you know that the work you're doing is valuable? Uh, internal controls support both of those. The idea comes from the finance and accounting side of the house. But when we take it across all of the functions, it's really making sure that there are reasonable checkpoints in place because what we're doing with these skills and capabilities is empowering teams to do things a little bit more decentralized than we have in the past. We're giving them the latitude to experiment, to test, to try things out so that we're constantly innovating new ideas. All of this kind of comes together with that organizational change management piece, which brings us back to that beginning, right? It's all about the people. This idea, this approach is changing corporate culture. It is changing how people think and do work. I don't, I'm, I'm not necessarily tied to my manager telling me what to do next. I am coming up with things to drive us forward. Mm -hmm. And so we need to take people on that journey and get them comfortable with change in this space is inevitable. It happens daily. Uh, prior to the pandemic, we sort of thought, you know, we talked about business as usual. Last year taught us business as usual was, was a lie that we told ourselves. Around every corner, there's an opportunity for unexpected change to present itself. And if we have our employees thinking in terms of what we do today is going to look different in six months, and it will look different six months from that, and that they are energized by contributing to that future, which is tied to back to that customer, right? Getting to how do we solve things ongoing for our customer needs? We start to create in the business growth cycles. And if you're familiar with the idea of a J curve or a hockey stick growth, right? One of the things nobody ever talks about at the end of that is the fall off. There's a peak to that. But if we are bringing, if we're leading with agility, bringing in new ideas and that innovation engine, we're staging for growth cycle after growth cycle after growth cycle. And the current growth cycle funds the next one. And the next one takes off before the fall off of the current one. So it creates an entire operating system for a business that is designed on purpose with the intent of being able to grow and scale. I love this idea of growth cycles over time, mm -hmm. being fueled by agile, nimble leadership and the and the idea that you're embracing change at every single level of the organization, that every employee embraces the idea of change management and innovation as part of the culture, part of the DNA of the organization. I think that's just a really brilliant insight. But now I'm going to switch topics just a little bit. And because this is Leadership Global, Lisa, I'm going to ask about leadership advice that you've received. As you reflect on your career, what is the most important leadership advice that you have ever received? 
the one I want to share, I guess the advice actually came from my dad. He is, is retired now, but he was an entrepreneur. He was a real estate developer. And um, I grew up never wanting to be entrepreneurial. I wanted a career with a salary and paid vacation time and the stability of what I, we didn't have in, you know, riding a development great. Oh wait, there's no deals. There's, it was a roller coaster of ups and downs and it's the entrepreneurial journey. You know, here I am 20 some odd years later as an entrepreneur going, I, the whole idea of safety and security in corporate America was, uh, you know, not something that I experienced. Um, the advice that he gave me, and I've heard echoed by others recently, and I, I, I celebrate every win. In the course of doing business, there are the big wins that we all want. We close a deal, we make a sale, we do, all right, those are great. But I made that first contact. I had a great conversation. I put a proposal out. I put the proposal out. It may not actually become a done deal, but if I celebrate putting the proposal out, right? I mean, we're celebrating the, the steps along the way and they're, they're important. Somewhere along my journey, I turned that into celebrating invoices. I absolutely love cutting an invoice. It is the midpoint celebration, right? We have business, we're doing work. We have delivered on a promise. We are you know, requesting payment in kind. And I love celebrating invoices. It also gives me a reminder to check in on people who are doing the work and say, hey, we're making great progress. I love celebrating invoices. So it's the incremental steps because we don't always get all the way to the big, big, big wins, but there's lots of stuff in the in the process that is worth celebrating. So, yeah. Oh, that's such wise counsel because it's really easy to get bogged down in the mire of the everyday and be thinking about what hasn't been done, what hasn't been achieved, the goal where you fell just slightly short. And it's so easy to focus on what I have to do next rather than what can I celebrate today that went well, even if it's a great conversation with an incredible expert like you, Lisa Levy. So I just want to say thank you for giving me something to celebrate today, which is highlighting and sharing your enormous expertise with our entire Leadership Global podcast audience. So thank you, Lisa, for an amazing conversation. You offered so many gems of wisdom, and I am really grateful for your generosity of spirit sharing this wisdom with us today. Linda, it was my pleasure to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for joining Leadership Global, a podcast for and about unstoppable women stepping into courage, claiming their power and embracing bold leadership. Join us each week as we talk to a collection of inspirational women changing the world and tackling the most pressing issues we're facing today. As women and as leaders, See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.